Our greatest enemy is the reason why conflict has been with us since the dawn of time, and why it will never disappear. This enemy, whom we have never yet overcome, is none other than our own ignorance and selfish ambitions. But we are now at a point where we can end that, where we will end that. We have acquired the means to overcome this fatal flaw. The answer to everything already lies within each and every one of us. Gilbert, no! Destiny Plan. Activating all systems. Procedure 1. Multi-genome database online. Linkage established to HyperSim server. For the future of humanity, I hereby initiate the Destiny Plan, the final defensive measure which will determine the fate of humanity. Hello and welcome to It's a Gun the internet's best episode-by-episode Gundam Seed podcast that now has to watch Destiny. My name is Jeremy. I let a supercomputer give all of my monologues. I'm Tyler. We're almost done. My name is Zach. So we are watching episode 47 that I literally just said the name of when we recorded last time. To a New World. That sounds like an optimistic title. Yeah. Considering the main characters are opposed to this A New World. A brave new world, if you will. Nah, what they're not telling you is the fact that in the background you've got Christopher Columbus. And Ariel. She's on the ship, too. That's what she was thinking about, right? Determining everything with genetics? Yeah. yeah with totally. What do you call them? Genes! <laughs> <laughs> Up where they space. Up where they shoot. All those guns in mobile suits. Oh, my God. <laughs> I can keep going. <laughs> Please don't. <laughs> so this is a slow episode. And I think that's okay. I think it's in a lot of ways is like the Gundam Seed slow episodes, but it feels again like we're spinning so many wheels and we could have accomplished so much more even in a slow episode to me. I actually think the Shin and Ray stuff, hey, remember them, is actually pretty good this episode. But when we go back over to the Archangel, oh. I think one of the reasons why this one feels so much slower and so much worse is that literally the episode before this, we went absolutely nowhere and we can see the ending on the horizon. So for them to be spinning their wheels here. Yeah. If you're Jeremy and you're reading a bunch of forums of people saying Gundam Seed Destiny sucks and you're like, I don't think that. Also, there are two more episodes and I just watched the last two episodes. You don't have a leg to stand on. We are running out of time fast. And that guy that was laying the tracks in front of the train, he ain't keeping up no more. To be fair, this episode is sort of all about Durundle's plan, which is one of the things Tyler said needed to be addressed. Uh, you know, it doesn't help, really. Also, Ray says, I'm a clone. That's the other thing you wanted. Yep. The problem with the whole, like, yeah, it goes into his plan is it kind of doesn't. Like, it kind of gives you the broad strokes overview, but like you said last time around, doesn't tell us anything about why his plan would work or why his plan wouldn't. It's just, this is a thing. And it doesn't really even explain what he's doing still. Is he going to force people or, into jobs? Is he hypnotizing them? Is or he... how exactly it's supposed to work since yeah. a lot of skills, it doesn't matter if you're a coordinator or not, you need to learn skills. Well, I think this will teach you what are you going to be good at learning. It also depends on how good do we think this future gene technology is, right? 
I would imagine like, fairly. Like, can it tell you who you're likely to fall in love with on a genetic level? Is like that's something they can learn by looking at your genes in this future. That's another sort of problem we have with it. And I think the basic level is fine. I just want more sci-fi philosophical discussion. And I wish Kieran Lackis had more of a point than, but I don't want. <laughs> but fuck that guy. Yeah. He shot my girlfriend. He shot at your girlfriend. Kira doesn't Not know the difference. The have thing. you seen Kira try to shoot someone? I mean, he's fired his gun a couple of times. Yeah, he has. Actually, now that I think about it, I don't think he's ever actually fired his sidearm. He fired it at the grenade. So he's at least fired oh. it once. Okay. And presumably has pretty good accuracy. Yeah, so... It's because mobile suit combat is its a part of that same tree. Yeah, firearms are just, like apply both to mobile suits and on foot. It's just a dexterity modifier. It's just a really badly designed system. Kira has really high dex in int. Yes. Is he a rogue? No. <laughs> no, he's an engineer. Oh, wait. Oh, yeah, no, never mind. That tracks. All right, so we are watching <laughs> phase 47 of Gundam Sea Destiny to a new world. You can watch along if you want on Crunchyroll or YouTube. Uh, and this one is better than the last one, I guess, kind of. At least it's not technically a clip episode. Although, speaking of those, we do have a super long last time that goes through the entire series, which I don't super mind for an episode positioned at this point. I mean, but it, it would feels feel... really awkward after that last clip episode we had literally last week. It's because we literally just got a clip episode. I don't need a last time on for an episode following on to the thing that literally did this. And I think part of it is so we can get Durandal's speech again. That's what we all wanted, right? Over it. Which I think contrasts well. I almost think we should have gotten it like this the first time, though. Like, honestly, I think they should have just started this episode with this speech and not given it last episode. Yeah, yeah. but, but they ha didn't have enough episode last week, so they had to steal the start of the next one. But yeah, I can definitely agree with that. Because I think this, again, remember that there are druggies in this show? I think it's kind of important to remember because Stella's going to get brought up. But I think this actually is effective, showing the entirety of the war over Durundle's speech. It's it, just that we just had a full clip episode. Yeah, it makes more sense to do it here rather than to play it over the last time. Because especially it was playing over, like, uh, what's it called? A lot of, just, like, people watching the screen as he gave his speech as opposed to anything actually interesting. Yeah, and it's not like character reaction shots. It's not like we see Kigali. There are a few of them, but a lot of it is just people. Yeah, just randos on the street. I remember when Ray was in an episode of Scooby-Doo. <laughs> and he didn't handle it very well. So clearly, Ray is not genetically disposed to, <laughs> to horror movies. Scooby Doo. <laughs> yeah, to being in Mystery Inc. Who is the Scooby of that group? Arthur. <laughs> yeah, you're absolutely right. Rotalia. <laughs> <laughs> Who's the Scrappy of that group? Oh, no. Is it Heine? Let me at him. Let me at him. <laughs> I was going to say Luna. It's Isaac. <laughs> but no, it's, it's, no, I think Heine is, is more appropriate. When I was watching this before and I was like going through all of this stuff from the previous parts of the series, I was like, why are you showing me this again? This is literally what last episode was for. Hey, remember that time Kira shot a big laser with a small laser? Anyway, Durandal's like, we are our own worst enemies. And I propose genetics as the solution. We're now at a point where we can put an end to it. Uh, that's not how that works. I mean, that is how giving big speeches to get the public on your side works, though. I guess my problem with this still is that this is not a very compelling argument. It's not exceptionally well delivered. It's like a kind of juvenile premise. Well, like, he also, he's just like, I'm going to enact the destiny plan. 
Which means what? Yeah, like, I don't know who he's convincing with this argument, but I can't imagine very many people are convinced by this argument. I sure as hell wouldn't be. And that's one of my frustrations with it, because as a sci-fi concept, I kind of like it and could be convinced by it, but this speech isn't getting you anywhere. Yeah, no, exactly. I agree. Like, it's an interesting idea. I would love to know how it's implemented. I would love to have Durundle give a better argument for it. I would love to have any of the characters, like give counter arguments for someone gate would if somebody gave me that speech my first thought would be take a long walk off a short ledge and leave me alone yeah <laughs> mine would be like wow Shar, remember when people were like doing orchestra music for you on a train what a long way you fell since then <laughs> <laughs> anyway he's got some sale supercomputers that activate ominously that's a lot of circuits <laughs> and they turn red so you know it's an evil plan. <laughs> the twist is each of those are actually like one micron wide, so this is like a single computer chip somewhere. You know, it's a metaphor for genes. How? Because they're so small. They make up the computer, like genes make up the human. Okay, I'll allow it. <laughs> it's better than one of Durundle's metaphors. It's the ultimate plan. Okay. It's literally just your plan. That Just because it's yours doesn't make it the ultimate it, when your Anything. communist revolution succeeds, it becomes the ultimate plan. <laughs> He's like the third best chess player in the world, Zach. And he arranged for Rally Crusade to be killed. The second best. Who is the first best chess player in this universe? It's Kira. Twist. <laughs> no, no, no. Waltfeld. <laughs> he just actually only plays chess and doesn't use it as any kind of like stand-in for metaphor for people. So no one realizes that Waltfeld is the best chess player in the world. That's actually what his coordinator abilities were for. It's coffee and chess, and that's only because they're so close to each other in the alphabet. It was an accident. They accidentally checked both boxes. Yeah, checkers isn't between chess and coffee. Though he's, he's also, also really good at checkers. checkers. <laughs> <laughs> or code? Oh, no, he might be a better programmer than Kira. Oh, no. No, Kira's the ultimate coordinator. He got every box checked. Ah, no, that makes sense. Except for not being awkward in social situations. I feel like he always tries to give speeches right after Lacus, and everyone's like, good try, Kira. Charisma is his dump stat, which is why him and Lacus work so well together, is because Charisma is definitely not her dump stat. I think we've been over this before at least once with Kira. I had a whole thing I was going to bring up, and I can't remember it now. Well, maybe later. I mean, it's not like there's a ton to talk about during this episode. Durundle, Durundles. So anyway, the subtitles decide to double up on us for some reason, talking about the Destiny plan, which I, I guess he, he also just released on all media just like a PDF explaining the Destiny plan since he didn't in his speech. And like an animated GIF. Like, I like how a bunch of scientists version. are like, wow, this is a really nice PowerPoint presentation. It's total bullshit, but it's a great presentation. Hey, remember Kigali? She's in this episode, kind of. If only we could get people to get the COVID vaccine the way they're lining up to give Durundle their genetic samples. And to get these cards. I saw that and I'm like, there's no way in hell you'd ever see that in an actual place. I feel like I don't know what the cards are supposed to signify. To, so to me, they read like tickets. Like, this is the gate you're going in. You're going in the yellow one for the... Well, yeah, but the, you had that family and one guy had a green. The other two had yellow and red. So it's like, yes, this is... You're going down these different spots, but at the same time, it's they must signify something. And because they were explaining the whole destiny plan throughout it, I kind of just figured it was supposed to be like, okay, yeah, so green is laborer, yellow is law enforcement, and red is... Uh, Meat packaging plant. <laughs> Race car driver. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was going to be more sardonic about it, but couldn't come up with a better way for it. So uh, go with those and pretend I said something cynical. Yeah, and again, I want a little more detail because, like, can they see your genetic predisposal to crime? 
Are there people who are going to be unpersoned because of this system? It seems a little too idealistic for that, but that is a way to maintain control. You just get rid of the people who would be political dissidents. There's so also we have discovered that you will be an excellent cop, and your brother is going to be one hell of a criminal. So you're going to be the dude who has to hunt him down your entire life. Excellent. Have fun. I was going to say, there's also a nature versus nurture argument, and ignoring the practicalities of that, uh, which in current scientific understanding actually pretty strongly contradicts Durandal's plan. But would that mean that under this whole plan that the whole family unit would be broken down and people would just be put into housing that would teach them the skills for their their I uh, assume so. I'm wondering what you do with the current people who have a wealth of experiences that go contrary to their like primary genetic thing. Like do we just space all of them? Like, well, I don't think you space all of them, but do you, how many of them do you transition to new work? Yeah. And how quickly? Because it's got to be a slow transition, right? You want some experienced people, even if they're not predisposed to that. I don't think he's thinking about that. I think he well, just dump everybody there. I think the Rundle is, but I don't think the writers have. <laughs> anyway, we're transitioning to an adorable scene where Chibi Jabril is chewing out Chibi to Rundle. This is why I'm thinking that they'll just immediately switch them around as soon as they come up with it, because that's basically what they show here. Well, I think this is more the argument for why this system will be good than like a literal interpretation of what will happen in the short term. Like you may find you are currently being mistreated and we see Jabril managing to rundle to death. But then I guess they do have the card, so maybe Zach is right. Some secret service people take Jabril away, and Durandal becomes president. See, it's a metaphor for his life. He thought he should be a geneticist, but really he was predisposed to being a politician. And everyone's like, Yay, we love the new president. And, and his glory <laughs> flowing glorious hair. And Shin is like, what the fuck is this cartoon, Ray? <laughs> Ray's like, shut up. It's my favorite Saturday morning cartoon. And all the people on the Archangel are like, what the fuck is this cartoon? I really like the little chibi thing. It seems super weird as in-universe propaganda, though. <laughs> <laughs> Especially when we see on the Archangel, Jabril is predisposed to being a clown. That is the least subtle thing you could have done. I like how his cat's also in the image. Yeah. Oh, so You're not going to take your pet away. That's where that came from. Okay. It's only on screen for a couple seconds. Yeah, so. I didn't even notice it the first time I watched. Anyway, people's predisposed talents aren't all being used, and that's a collective huge loss to humanity, which is true. As I, Durandal's argument is basically, imagine the efficiency. Yes. And <laughs> as somebody who likes playing MMORPGs, because you can get 20 quests and figure out the best way to complete them all at once... Yes, Durundle, please tell me more about your TED Talk. <laughs> There's a reason why we have a manager when we uh, go into playing WoW as a group. We just let Jeremy do it. I find that having someone in a managerial role in video games is actually pretty helpful, though. So, A future of unlimited happiness. And I'm like, no, that's not how that works again. I mean, I, this just writes to me as political speechifying, because of course you're going to say that. He does call it the first step, which I find interesting. How big is this first step? I mean, I know it's just political speechifying, but I'm, I automatically go into a full-blown cynic and realist ideal as soon as somebody starts talking about that, especially because this is particularly bad political stuff. I don't think it's bad political stuff. I just think it's extreme. No, no I mean, like, good politics is really fun to read. Bad politics is not. So Shin is like, what the fuck? And Ray's like, why oh, are you surprised? You were there when he gave his speech. I'm sure you were aware of the kind of world the chairman had in mind, and Shin remembers him talking about, and he's like, yeah, but I actually really like think Shin's bit of like, but I don't think the world's ready for this yet. Like, this is, the problem is not the plan. The problem is the giant leap he took. For, like, we're at A right now, and he's like, we need to be over at N. 
And I'm like, I feel like maybe there are some letters in between we should try and work out beforehand. And Dwindle's like, no worry, I stuck C in there. For cannon on the moon. I already got (laughs) C and M in there. I do kind of like when Shin's like, this is going to be a ton of work. And Ray says, he's not the sort of person who gives up easily, which is the same thing that Kira and Atherin have referred to themselves as. So I like that setting up of contrast. But then Ray is like, but because it's not going to end well, that's why we're here with our giant guns. We're going to uh, make sure this happens via the oldest method in human existence. The I have bigger gun than you, which, like, that's fine. But at the same time, you look at it and they talk about how, you know, well, we're predisposed to being soldiers. Well, what do you do with the people who you don't need soldiers if this actually comes up again? Well, like he later says, on down the line, what do you do with them? They become they, asteroid miners. They then apparently don't need anything. And that's certainly a problem we can get to. Although, Ray says it'll be our job to create and then protect the world so you can transition them into law enforcement, right? I guess. But what about all the people who are predisposed to being elevator attendants? You know, the guys that actually push the button for you? Well, like, you what do you re- do with them? You reinst- Zach, that's why this political speech is so good. Think of all the jobs he's going to create. If you're good at something, you get a job created for you. It's the ultimate political speech. It's just jobs. I've read that book. It doesn't turn out very well. That's the whole, that is at least partly the whole premise behind one thing in one of Terry Goodkind's books. Anyway, Ray's like, the chairman selected you to pilot the Destiny because you're stronger than anyone else. And you want this world more than anyone else. I don't even necessarily know that Shin wants this as a world. Well, I think that Ray and the chairman have tricked him into thinking it. He does want a world without war, right? He's said that a thousand times. So if this is actually a world without war, and I will agree with you, Zach, it seems like they're missing a step. There's some question marks between this and world without war. But if you can convince him that this is the way to do it, that is what Shin wants. And he is an impressionable teenager, so it shouldn't be too hard to convince him. And I do really like the idea that Gilbert has used this plan, I wish this was explicitly said, to determine the crew of the Minerva. And that is why they have been so successful. That would be interesting. It would be an interesting idea, but like you said, they I would wish they had actually made that more concrete. Yeah, but I've always assumed that, even from my first watching, and that's why he's so, like, they'll do it. The Minerva can get there. The Minerva can push through. I know they haven't had any rest, but... Yeah, we've just been joking about him filling a ship full of main characters. It didn't occur to me that he might have actually tried this experiment there. So anyway, Luna's like, hey, Shin, can we talk about this? And Ray's like, go away! No girls allowed! We're having an important discussion. Fuck off. You can't distract Shin with your sexiness. She's like, the uniform's regulation? God, what's your problem, Ray? Is it your time of the month? It's his time of the clone month. And Shin is like, hey, Ray, that was a dick move. And he's like, anyway, ignoring what you just said, we still have a tough job lying ahead. Luna Mario looks rather pissed. Put out. Yeah. yeah. I like, like how she's peeved as hell right there. She's just sitting there considering what the heck she should do. I love, we're going to get a shot of her later. Where she just, like, gets bored of waiting outside of the room and I, leaves. <laughs> I really do get the feeling that the last couple of episodes have been trying to set up the fact that Luna Maria doesn't trust Ray anymore. I, well, I'll go back to, I really wish Shin and Luna got to have a date on the moon. So they got a moment without Ray. So all Luna did in the last five episodes wasn't try to talk to Shin while Ray cock blocks her. Because if they had actually gotten a moment together, I think it would have more emphasized the way Ray is trying to separate them. And I would be more okay with Luna seeming to put up with so much of this if she actually got something out of it. Because most of her relationship with Shin, barring that sweet space hug, 
has been Ray putting his hand on her head so she can't swing at them. They do have a little bit of a conversation at the end of this episode, but it's not much. Yeah. So Ray's like, yeah, throughout history, whenever there's revolution, it's always met with uncertainty and we have to deal with that. And also violence. Lots of violence. I mean, that has typically been true. Well, that's because, you know, you, you never get anything without bleeding for it. Yeah. No pain, no gain. Ray's like, this is a change that has to happen to save people. I believe in this government fully. And Shin is like, man, you're getting a little intense with your political beliefs, Ray. <laughs> it's like, even though I agree with you, actually. And she's like, hey, remember that girl you thought of like a, a sister puppy? We have to do this to stop that from happening again, right? Although, arguably, they're kind of a good example as to why this is a bad idea, because they were kind of had the same thing. They were brought up with the sole purpose of being soldiers. They were trained from a very young age to be the top end of soldiers. And again, there's this nice theme in Destiny about identity that I just wish it did a little bit more with. And this is another angle on that, right? This is your identity is going to be chosen for you at birth based on your genetics, and you won't have to worry about it. So all this uncertainty, all this growth these people had to go through, you won't have to do it. Anyway, Ray's like, be strong, shit, as he starts shaking. You have to protect the chairman in the new world. And as Luna Mari's like, fuck this, I'm going to go get something to eat. Yeah, to me, I feel like that should be Luna giving up on Shin. Like, visually, that's what that looks like to me. Yeah, is that Luna Maria is like, all right, I'm leaving. And I don't blame her. Their relationship has been terrible. But as we'll see at the end of this episode, that's not really what it is. Anyway, Ray gets up and is clearly very shaky as he's like, that's the final path saving humanity from chaos, Shin. I have a migraine. Ray, Shin's like, hey, what's the matter? And Ray snaps at him. He's like, nothing, leave me alone. I need clone pills. I feel like if they've been roommates for so long, Shin should have probably seen him taking these pills before. It depends. Ray is very secretive, and I could see him specifically not wanting to do it in front of Shin. He's also awake a lot while Shin's asleep working on his blog, so maybe he just does it then. Maybe. I don't know. Or maybe Shin has seen it before and has just, like, never thought anything of it until just now. I like the idea that Luna's just, like, wandering the ship looking for something to do now. It looks that way because we cut from her to the bridge where Talia's like, I don't know what the man wants anymore. War is only one part of politics. He's a politician, not a general. I, I actually kind of like how it shows that Gladys is not really on the same side here. It's like, this is just weird. Cut to Kigali, who, oh my God, has lines. Nothing of import or interest, but lines. <laughs> Where she's like, so no one has said anything to Durandal's proposal except for us in Scandinavia that we're like, no. And someone points out that because of the Logos witch hunt, most governments on Earth are unstable. And Kigali's like, well, that was probably part of his plan which I agree with, much easier to take over when there's unrest, much easier to bring in sweeping political change during an election year, even if you created that election year by killing the current president. Anyway, Kigali compares this to when the Alliance invaded. I don't think the metaphor really works at all. This is even worse than that. She says, I will protect Orb's ideals no matter what. And my brain immediately went into a, one of those old sags that I always like. I'd rather die on my feet than live on my knees. So then we get the eye catch. Durundle, 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 47, Durundle, Durundle, Durundle. Durundle, 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 Patreon, Durundle, 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 Evangelion, Durundle, Durundle. Durundle, 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 Athrangst, Durundle. And hey, it's the Eternal. Like, Tra it's got a whole bunch of different anchors and asteroids. Yeah, I assume that's just how it anchors itself, right? Is it just like I mean, it attaches makes to an asteroid? And Walfield's like, well, as expected, all the nations are slow to respond. 
apparently everybody is basically talking on a radio. Because we get a shot of the Archangel's Bridge and everybody's up there. Anyway, Maru's like, hey, hearing him talk, it sounds like a wonderful thing. I wish that were more true. But again, the writers didn't really manage it. Kira's like, people see the chairman as trustworthy. For now. feel like in maybe five minutes that will change. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like us, can you give a speech? Okay, thanks. They're like, he implied he was going to introduce and execute this plan, but that's about it. And Athens like, hey, how's my girlfriend doing? And like, yeah. They're already taking defensive positions because everybody knows they're going to tell him to fuck off. Cut to clone pills, specifically Shin looking at them. But then he sees Raster and quickly puts them back. As we cut back to the Archangel crew being like, I guess we have no choice but to fight. He's forced our hands, so I guess we're going to go fight now. I feel like he hasn't yet, honestly. I feel like he's about to, but... But they've already decided they're going to go kill Durundle. That's true. More or less. I love the shot of him just, like, basking in his space chair with his eyes closed. You just expect him to uh, pull the lever and kick the feet up. Just take a nap. It's technically a recliner. Kira's like, man, I hate this plan, but I do want to end war. Hmm. And then Lacus is like, it's my turn to give a speech that doesn't make any sense. Durundle's been doing it for a long time. <laughs> Let me do it. It'll be incredibly circular and basically boil down to, but thou must. But what if we went along with Durundle's plan? But thou mustn't. But what if we did? But thou mustn't. But, but what if we, that, thou mustn't. Okay, let's not murder him. <laughs> yeah, again, Lacus's speech and Gundam Seed don't super hold up, but her one's in destiny, like especially this one, just as filler words. We'll be capable of only mere existence. You know, I read a much better sci-fi story where an AI basically just takes over everything and then humans become dissatisfied because they have no particular meaning. And so they go and ask the machine to, like, give them purpose and meaning. And it's like, I can't. Like, there's nothing intrinsic. And they're like, oh, no. And then decided to destroy the AI. And I feel like that's the natural outcome of this plan. Well, as soon as you're like, okay, you do exactly what I tell you. And then it, so life doesn't really mean anything anymore. You're not trying to get anything. Yeah. Although, again, I want to explore, like, further sci-fi concepts than that. Because I agree with you. But what if Durundle's plan is capable of giving you a role that genuinely brings you joy in yeah. addition to being an like, actual fulfilling job yeah. that you're working all all the time? I don't know. I, ju I really wish we got more details of like what and how. Yeah. Just more discussion about it. I feel I like really need, even under that details. I feel like even under that situation, you kind of run yourself into the 1984. You're assigned your job because they say that's what your genes are going to make give you the most joy. And you're going to have people eventually getting to the point where it's like, but you got it wrong. Yeah. Like, even if it's technically this is what the thing said, you're still going to have a good chunk of people being like, you got it wrong. But why? Again, when you're talking sci-fi, not necessarily. And, like, that's an interesting thing to bring up. It's why books like 1984 that explore problems in the system exist. Well, science fiction is always about exploring usually both sides. If you're talking about hard sci-fi, it's exploring usually both sides of that coin. Yeah. It pose a question, and then you have to explore both sides of it. Like we've said, this show doesn't give enough information on the Destiny plan for us to know these are things. We're speculating. Blackies calls it a world of death. Well, yeah, because she's saying, she's kind of agreeing with your point and saying that, hey, there would be no fulfillment, there would be no progress in this world. I don't know that that's necessarily true. It would be much more collective progress. You know what this means? Durundle is just one of the forms the Emperor of Mankind has taken before he got to the actual Imperium. This I'll is like his trial it. run. Take your word for it. Anyway, cut to the Death Star throne room where they're like, hey, begin to charge it. We're going to have to fire it once anyway, and it needs to be tested. And Durandal's like, so anything new from the nations of Earth? And they're like, oh, nothing new. The president does want to speak with you. The only people that have said anything were Orb and Scandinavia. 
where they told you to go to hell. Cut to Kigali giving her own meaningless speech on a broadcast. Well, it's only just it, the end of it. I like how it's, and therefore we said, fuck off. <laughs> and like, then a, people, a bunch of people cheer. Couldn't give Kigali any like character moments in that or you know lines to speak that might talk about the pros and cons of this. But they're like, yeah, we are noticing some moves at Arzakiel, though. The Earth forces are launching their fleet. So that's probably not great. I'm amazed they still have that many ships left. What was Logos' personal forces versus what were the Earth forces, right? It's hard to tell. Like, clearly Logos was aligned with some factions of the Earth forces, but... Well, just the sheer number of ships that they got out there, because, I mean, I've said it before, and we haven't talked about it in a while. It's only two years after the previous war, and both sides' fleets got pretty fucked up. You don't build a fleet that size in two years. Who knows what they had on the moon, though? I don't know that that was ever a strategic thing in the first war. That's where they first fired Genesis, because they had mustered their forces there. Ah, well, never mind. And they're like, yeah, the president wants to talk with you, Durendal, and he's like, talk, huh? Does that mean shoot giant laser at him, you think? He's in a tough spot since he doesn't have a Logos to tell him what to do anymore. And he apparently doesn't have enough strength to do what Kigali did and take a stand. And Durendal's like, that's fine. We'll shoot him first so the main characters can come stop us. <laughs> I go back and forth on whether this makes sense as a tactical decision. I feel like he has to know Orb is going to be the greater threat. But the, the bigger thing is, I feel like Kira was just like, Durandal is trusted. Like, he has all the political sway right now, right? I feel like you lose it all, the entirety of your moral high ground by taking this action. Yes, yeah, let's I, waste I, all of it. That's what I had the same thought of. Like, as soon as you fire this thing, after it's already shown what it does, you lose any and all high ground that you possibly had. It was ambiguous. And now you're going to make uh, people who are on the fence take sides against you. The, the only thing you have going for you is he only destroys military targets with this, right? He destroys a fleet. He doesn't target a installation. Yes, but people saw it target civilian installations yeah. before. So doing this now and basically saying, I can do what I want because I have the biggest gun. Now everybody is basically going to line up against you. Yeah, it, it forces hands when he doesn't have to. Because like we just said, he currently has the complete moral high ground. He just took out a Death Star and won a war and has the ears of the people, as we see from his speech. So it is weird, although maybe he's doing this on purpose because maybe he's at a point where he's just so impatient. He's like, okay, this will root out everyone who's against me and then I can shoot ah. them with a big cannon. It is very weird to pull the trigger on this now. He realized there are only two episodes left and he's <laughs> like, well, I'm not going to convince them in that time, but this is really good AOE. It was ambiguous to me whether people realize it was him. A lot of people are like, oh no, the base is still operational. Well, I think... A lot of people, like, on a civilian level aren't going to figure that out, but anybody, like, even at, like, a journalistic level will know that Zaf took this Talia laser. figures it out immediately. Yeah, and Ray is just like, yeah, of course we did. And and uh, the uh, Archangel crew obviously have the same thought, because they one of them says they wiped out all the ships that were there who fired it. Obviously, we did. Yeah, Gladys is like, obviously it was us. The Earth Forces aren't there anymore. But we're getting ahead of ourselves. Where he's like, begin preparations, we'll take care of Orb after that. And then he's like, I thought I made it clear we have to do this. This is exactly what I said. How could I say it in any more clear words? All those who oppose it must be enemies of humanity itself. Yes. Or they think you're a douche. Yes, uh, yes, Durandal, that is the only option. I mean, I don't know if he believes that. Maybe he does. Or if that's just him grandstanding. 
and justify Given that his he's action. not actually talking to anybody, I think he legitimately believes it. I think he's on the on the horn with the people firing the laser. And you do have to prime them that, hey, you're firing the laser for the right reasons. Anyway, the Minerva gets orders to rendezvous with the Lunar Fleet, which makes sense because that's the nearest Zaf fleet. Get a huge lineup of uh, battleships getting ready to go into combat. Yep, to meet the Alliance fleet. So Ray and Shin start talking again, and, and Ray's like, hey, don't be worried. Uh, Shin, I didn't mean to concern you. It's just like a chronic illness. Don't worry about it. And Shin's like, oh, I wasn't like super worried or anything. It's like, more importantly, don't forget, the chairman is always right, and you should always do what he says without question. <laughs> and Shin is like, yeah, right. Ray's like, no matter what happens, believe in the chairman. Don't believe in yourself. Believe uh, in Durundle, who doesn't believe in anyone. We're going to change the world with that. But it's probably take some hard choices. We're probably going to have to murder some civilians, but just deal with it. As long as you believe in the chairman, you'll be all right. Uh, that is not how that works. That, so this makes a lot more sense, considering that Durundle is basically Ray's space dad. And what we're going to get next, as the Minerva joins the Lunar Fleet... And we see the giant space cannon getting ready. As Ray's like, he's the one with all the right answers. And she's like, yeah, I, I guess. Sure. Uh, sure. This really seems like it should be the moment where Shin flips, right? Where he realizes Ray is a crazy person. <laughs> the fact that he realizes Ray's insane. Even the way Shin's voice actor is reading the lines. It does make it seem like he's kind of like, you're nuts. And then his reaction to them firing the gun. But I do love her. He's like, so uh, what's gotten into you, Ray? You're like the dad in some like big drama saying his last words on his deathbed. And Which Ray's I, like, that's not too far from the truth, son. Remember how I told you uh, not to worry? I'm going to die soon. Well, I mean, that's why you don't want to worry about it, because he knows he's already going to die. So whatever. He has short telomeres, whatever the hell that means. Well, that's actually a thing. Yep. It turns out. Mostly the length of your telomeres more or less indicate how long you have left to live. There's a lot of like research into whether or not we can extend telomere chains to see if we can artificially extend life right now. So, science. But when you clone them, you clone telomeres as they are, which is why clones live short lives. Also because of a bunch of other problems. But anyway, Ray's right. like, I'm a corona. And then fires the space laser. To be fair, Ray doesn't fire the space <laughs> no, laser. No, Ray fires the space laser. And so someone yells on the bridge. I don't know if this guy ever gets a name. But it's like, they just fired the Requiem gun. Gladys is like, what's it targeting? And Durundle's just got his fingers steepled. Like, yep. Montgomery burns there. <laughs> Excellent. And like, it's Arzakiel. And Arthur's like, what? Our forces are attacking. And Gladys is like, yeah, dumbass. Remember how we murdered all the Alliance people there? Personally, it was us. We're the ones firing the gun. And Arthur's like, ruh -roh. The president was there, so he gets murdered by giant space later, as does most of their fleet. Well, and that does show us that there was an actual colony underneath there, so they killed a whole bunch of innocent people with that shot. They have said it's a military base before. That doesn't mean there's not yeah. civilians. There. Actually, there are probably civilians yeah. there. Civilian contractors, dependents, family members. Yeah, we, we don't know, but you are probably right. Anyway, Luna's now, yeah, excuse me, can I see you guys now? It's been like a fucking year. And Shin's like, yeah, hey, Luna, let's go where Ray isn't. Sorry. I feel like Shin should maybe play the, hey, it turns out Ray is dying card. It's a bit manipulative, but I feel like it would get you a little bit of leeway. I think it's more a matter of he doesn't play that card because he's still trying to Process. parse it. Anyway, the Archangel boys run up to the bridge. To the see Archangel the boys. <laughs> 
<laughs> I mean, you're and not so wrong. So they fired the arc- <laughs> They fired the requiem cannon. So I guess they didn't dismantle it. Which I don't that know how much. My my thought is like, okay, so I guess that means we go over there and destroy that gun first. That then seems we like the first it. option, right? Because that really disarms. Well, and the freedom and the justice can get there without too much trouble or time spent and wreck the gun. Yeah. They're already on the moon. Is that not what they do? Are they, at the end of this episode when they're gearing up, are they gearing up to go fight Durundle directly? They make it sound like they're getting ready to go after Durundle specifically. Anyway, they say most of the Alliance's remaining power was wiped out in that, so I guess that the giant thing is ships with all their ships. And they're like, oh, it's just as strong as Genesis. Remember it and its big dick laser? <laughs> and it can target anywhere on Earth because it's the deflection gun. Those loonies are going to blow up the ocean. We'll blow up the there you go, bag of magic food. That was for you. <laughs> what is that a reference? I'm not it, sure it, they're going to get... Chief Commandos. I'm, I'm oh, not sure okay. they're going to uh, actually be able to hear you say that was for them after that, because I think you just destroyed anybody who's listening to this as eardrums. <laughs> yeah, it's fine. I'll fix it in editing. Hey, Kira has a mom. Remember that? Oh, yeah. And she's <laughs> Oh, that's Earth. who that was. I thought she was just orphanage caretaker lady. That's kind of what she does now. Yeah, I forgot that she's Kira's mom. It's been a long time. So Lacus is like, hey, Maru, could you call Orb? I'm going to go get in the Eternal, and then we're going to go fuck some shit up. I do kind of wish Lacus <laughs> would just use that kind of terminology. <laughs> All right, everybody, get your stuff ready to go. We're going to go fuck some shit up. I, again, if I ever do an abridged version of this, it's definitely going to be one of those close-up shots of her face there instead, and she's just going to be like, we're going to go fuck him up. <laughs> and then it just cuts to shocked Moo. So Durundle's like, hey, call the Minerva. Tell them to get Ray, Zabaril, and Shinoska over here. I'm going to need some bodyguards because I just sent someone's coming to fuck me up. <laughs> Make sure they bring their machines. Make sure Luna has to stay in Minerva jail and doesn't get to come. Why, though? Because, I don't know, what if Shin became human being? <laughs> Well, I mean, it does make a little bit of sense because they have their best equipment. So it's like, come protect me because I just pissed off the main characters. So anyway, Luna's like, yeah, I know you're both faith members, so I just have to take it. But we've been friends for like ever. I didn't expect you guys to be dicks like this. And Shin's like, yeah, sorry. I got a lot to think about right now. We were talking about the Destiny plan stuff. And she's like, yeah, that's what I wanted to talk to you about. Obviously. But Ray will just... At least she is directing most of her anger at Ray, so Shin gets lucky that way. Which, to be fair, Ray's the one being a dick to her. And Tomato Hair is just like, they attacked the Arche Arzachiel. And Ray's like, yes, there was resistance at their base, so obviously we had to fire our giant moon laser at them. And Ray's like, wait, our giant moon laser? We fixed it? After all the effort (laughs) I went through to wreck it? Ralph would be pissed. (laughs) And Ray's like, I told you, Shin, it's not going to go smoothly. To make an omelet, you got to shoot a few giant space cannons. You have to hold the Earth hostage. Their expressions really make it seem like, I'm going to go get my Gundam and I'm out of here. But no. Plus, I bet the Archangel's going to come fight us. Cut to the Archangel. Hey, we get a full launch sequence of it because that's what we need to make this episode I, I feel, feel even like longer. I feel like their sensor for their fuel tank might be damaged a bit because what the hell was that? <laughs> I love these inflatable couches that make up the ready room. I actually kind of like the fact that we keep seeing the black Tri-Stars there, especially because their leader has this bright red hair. That looks like it's not, like, it doesn't look like it's animated in the same show. No, it doesn't. Also, the true songstress is about to return. Coded coordinates fragile. Thanks, Waldfeld. <laughs> no, the, I, what I think of that is more of, like, there are several different, like, rendezvous coordinates, and each one has its own code sign. Yeah, no, so, I assume that. So fragile probably is it, but apparently 
the uh, the Lacus faction or the Klein faction still has a bunch of people in, in the military because we see at least four ships join up with the Eternal and they're all Zaft vessels. Yeah, I actually my, really like that. In I my notes, too. which I did not bring, I dubbed this the Several Ships Alliance. <laughs> Yeah, they got at least two Nazca and two Laurasia classes in addition to the Eternal, as well as some Alliance ships that I should know the name of. Maybe those are Nelson class. Joining up with the, the Eternal. So apparently Lacus and them were not just trying to ally with people out of the plants at that point. I feel like a lot of that comes out of the, the whole factory thing. Yeah. I think most of these are probably stolen ships as opposed to manufactured ships. But No, I think they are mutinied ships or, you know, rebellious ships, but like more of like they gained all the contacts with the captains and crews through the factory. That could be. Type of thing, especially with the, the Earth Forces crews. I feel like the Zaft crews are probably people that were members of the Klein faction in the previous war. So I knew everybody's like, yeah, we got to murder all those assholes. And Shin and Lunar are like, oh, uh, excuse me, Ray, protect the world that you wished for. And Shin is like, I don't think I wished for this. I'm pretty <laughs> sure I didn't wish for giant space moon laser to murder all millions of civilians. And Luna's like, yeah, Ugh. Shin, like, you know, the right answer here. The And these are uh, Izumo class, Izumo class ships from Orb, right? Yeah. Taking off with the Archangel as the opening credits start playing. And that's the end of the episode, and I think our summary was faster than our clip episode last week. Yep, it's weird. Like I said, I actually had fewer notes for this episode than I did for the clip episode. It's because the clip episode, we spent the entire time making fun of it and referencing this episode. There are things about this episode I really like. I think the Ray stuff actually all plays quite well. I like his revelation of I'm a clone. I like Shin's like sarcastic, yeah, you're like a father in a drama, ha ha ha. And Ray's like, no, I'm actually dying. Da da da. I... I think this actually really paints Ray's motivation well if he has literally been molding Shin because he's not going to be around. He is trying to make Shin as loyal to Durundal as he is. Yeah, I was going to say those last few, like, just trust the chairman sort of things. Just beating away at that drum because he's like, I'm not going to be around, so I need somebody to do my dirty work. Yeah. yeah. I, he needs an enforcer, and I want that to be me, but he chose you, and you're not going to die tomorrow, so. I actually really like that stuff, but like I said, every scene on the Archangel is nothing. And I really don't like that Luna gets thrown out here. And I think it fits Ray's character, but I really wish that she and Shin had got some time together without Ray. So it did not feel like she was putting up with the worst boyfriend ever for no reason. <laughs> I mean, it would work. It would have been really nice with like last episode. You can move all of the like mirror stuff to the back half of it and have the front part of that episode basically be Shin and Luna on R&R. Even if you're not going to use the kind of thing that we made fun of last episode about them running into Kira and them with a flat tire and having that kind of conversation. Made fun of. That was a legitimate plot suggestion. What are you talking about? I mean, yeah, I was. <laughs> I was making, I was poking fun at it because Jeremy said that happens at the end of Mobile Suit Gundam. Yeah. So I was making fun of it that way. I actually wish we did get that because if Luna has met Mayrin again and knows she's on the Archangel, suddenly she becomes much better positioned as the angel on Shin's shoulder being like, hey. No, we don't want to kill those guys. Remember how my sister and your mentor friend is there? Even if they don't um, switch sides right there. Yeah. Because Mayrin and Athrin are there talking to them. Yeah, and then it becomes two people sort of battling for Shin's soul, which is way more interesting, even if it sort of reduces him as a character in a lot of the same ways. We had that one episode where that was kind of happening and like nothing ever really came of it. Well, it was largely early on. It was Ray and Athrin. Yeah, and there but was then one... Atherin is like, I'm out, and Ray more or less claimed it, but no one else stepped up to be the angel on Shin's shoulder at that point. 
Yeah, there was that episode where uh, after Atherin comes back from the dead and they're fighting and Atherin was like almost getting through to Shin and I like that never gets brought up again. And I feel like we're running out of episodes, so it probably never will. All right, Tyler, do you have a high point? <sighs> I mean, not really, but if I'm going to have to choose one, I did really find the chibi animation that <laughs> DeRundle had pre-prepared by someone as part of his propaganda campaign for this. To be fairly amusing. Also, the fact that the giant robot was giving, or the giant computer, I guess, was giving the speech most of the time and not Rundle. Zach, I don't know that I really have one either, because like even the space laser setting stuff up, it's not really a high point to me, because it's more or less just like, all right, so apparently you're just gonna do the stupid thing because you've now been designated officially as the bad guy. So like. I don't think I really have a high point You have here. to pick something. Where's the little pebble that... <laughs> uh, probably when Luna Maria gets fed up and just leaves. Yeah, I wish that had more impact because it seems like she comes back and that's kind of lame. Well, I mean, I could see it being one of those things where it's like, okay, I'll give him one more chance. But since we don't get any of her thought process throughout any of the episode, it just feels kind of like she went away like a kicked puppy and then just came back. <laughs> yeah, it really is the agency to both Shin and Luna. And I really don't like it. I think one of the ways they could probably fix it is if she like said, okay, I'm leaving now or something like that. It just like the, knocks on the door well, in, into the like intercom. And then when she comes back and is like, excuse me, can you talk now? Like that might be a little, go a little bit to actually helping that, but I'm not sure how much that would help things. Also just the way that you said that, excuse me, Shin says, I'm going to go with Ray's dramatic reveal, because I actually really like Ray in this episode. Yes, he's going full villain, but unlike Rundle, who feels like he's doing it for no reason, this makes it feel like Ray might die tomorrow. And I think that's interesting for drama, and also as a motivation for him to go hard like this. Durundle just pulled the short straw now that they've killed the villain. is like, oh, I guess I have to be the bad guy. Yeah. I am now the BBEG. Do you have a low point, Tyler? I've been trying to think of one, and I think it's just going to be how fast Rundle, like, pulls the moon laser card when nothing is opposing him, really. I think a lot of that is attached to the fact that there isn't that much time left in, in the episode, or in the series, because otherwise, like, there would definitely be a situation where you can have negotiations and be like, yeah, at least on the download, I have the giant working moon laser. I understand it's, like, definitely a scripting slash storyboarding problem, but, like, I really wish that he would have, like, tried to take the high ground and make someone f force his hand. And, like, literally he did this with no provocation. No real provocation, yeah. I mean, it's arguably the Truman argument, right? If I can save a whole bunch of our lives by shooting this moon laser now and having, instead of having this fleet battle. But it's not even presented that way. Zach? I think I might just go with kind of what you've also been saying. The Archangel stuff in this episode just is meaningless here. Yeah, I think you two took the sort of the ones I feel stronger about, but I also am perfectly fine saying the way Luna is treated in this episode is a huge low point to me. And really the entire series, but... Yes and no. There are some points where I think it's fine. Like when she's flirting with Atherin, I think that's Yeah, a lot of the fine. a lot of this Gundam series, and I think most Gundam series in general, don't do a really good job with their female cast. Yeah, and sadly, Seed is one of the best, which is sad. I'm not. Don't get me wrong, but the destiny is so much worse, makes it feel... Even worse. Double O might be a little better with it. I think a lot of people would make that argument about it. But Iron-Blooded Orphans is great with them until it decides they all need to die. <laughs> but IBO is one of those series that's supposed to be super bloody, basically. Right? I mean, it's basically a gangster movie. Only there are Gundams. So, yeah. 
We have to add something to our mobile suit list this week because, like the show, we are running out of time. So we got the Destiny Gundam and the Strike Freedom, I think, are the ones that make the more sense to add. I would lean towards the Strike Freedom just because the show isn't named after it, but <laughs> I think we've seen pretty much pretty much everything from both of them. Um, yeah, no, I feel like we should save the Destiny for last, um, even though I, I expect it's going to be disappointingly ranked. Probably because it's a mess. Yeah, the Strike Freedom seems fine. I'm super torn on the Strike Freedom because sometimes it just gets me so hard and other times I'm like, God, this design is not as good as the Freedoms and I don't like it. There are things I really like about it. I think the gold on it is really cool. I like the shields and the arms and the way it dual wields. I love the idea of the funnels, but I think it looks so bad with the funnels deployed. I actually really don't like the gold on it. Um, The weird accenting that it gives it, I don't care for. Um, I'm also not a huge fan of gold for a big, for one of those colors in the first place on most noble suits. I like it as a contrast of both blue and red, but blue and red and gold at the same time is maybe well, it's a bit blue much. and red and white and gold. Yeah. Which makes it more like it turns the color balance really weird because it's not just like a splash of gold there. It's outlining a whole bunch of different spots and it looks really weird and I don't like it. Are we all in agreement that it's not as good as the Freedom? I think yes. so, yes. I kind of like it more than the Vilkis, but I don't feel super strong about that. And then we have, there's stuff under the under the Vilkis that I would not put it over. But since the Vilkis is the direct daughter of the Strike Freedom, <laughs> I feel like we have to bring it up. I think I prefer the Vilkis. It does have a little bit of that splash of gold in there when it's in its normal state. But it's just the splash because it's basically just the figurehead. I mean, granted, it does turn full gold when it goes Super Saiyan for its god guns, but like... God damn it. (laughs) But like you said, it doesn't have the problem of when it launches its funnels, because the Vilkus doesn't actually have funnels, but it looks really... It looks oddly incomplete with its funnels deployed. Yeah, because there's the blank spaces, and they try to fill that in with the light effect, and I feel like that should work. I've got a model of it, and I think like when that is a physical thing you stick in there, it actually will work. But that's not what it looks like, air quotes, reality or the series. So I think it looks really awkward with them deployed. And without them being deployed, it just like that's one of its best features. Oddly, I think the perfect strike freedom that they just made up that has the ale strike, but the backpack is all funnels looks rad when they're deployed. But what's your uh, opinion, Tyler? I think I agree with you in that I like the Vocus a little bit better. Uh, Also, I think partially because it's a really unique design by comparison to the Sea of Gundams. So... So I've said before, I'm actually not the biggest fan of the Justice Gundam. Building a model of it improved my opinion of it a little bit, but I think it has problems. So I actually think the Strike Freedom is better than the Justice, but what do you guys think? Because I know both of you like the Justice more than me. Do we? I think so. I'm not a huge fan of the Justice. I have not been a huge fan of any of Atherin's suits. I think I like the Justice more than Jeremy does, but I don't know that I like it more than the Strike Freedom, mostly because we're talking standard Justice, right? That backpack is just... It does have the problem of when it's got the backpack on, it's kind of too bulky up top. But when it's missing, it's way too lanky. So it kind of doesn't hit that happy medium. Unless you like the bulk. And I get it if you do, but... I like the bulk on certain types. Usually if they're like a heavy weapons type platform. But the Justice isn't supposed to be that. You didn't give an opinion on whether the Strike Freedom goes above or below it. I think it goes above it, personally. I actually kind of agree with that. Oh, no, I do too, actually. So. So, so we're in an interesting spot. Another mobile suit with funnels that I, I don't think 
the Strike Freedom's got a chance against, honestly. We have the H2 Magnum, which has rad sword funnels, and I just think ends up way is, better looking. That is a terrible, terrible series. But the H2 Magnum looks pretty rad. It does. Also, the sword funnels are cool. Also, its color s- scheme is just solid. It's like dark periwinkle. Come on. It's great. Which is all to say, do we think that the Strike Freedom is better or worse than the RX Zero Maru? Yes. <sighs> I think so, because I Wait, really... You, you, he said better or worse, and yeah. you said yes. It happens all the time. He's inscrutable. <laughs> <laughs> and I was, better or worse, true. I wasn't sure if that was on purpose or not, but... I was elaborating on my statement before you started laughing at my okay. communication skills. <laughs> Or as they may be lack thereof. I think it's better than they are Zero Maru because I hate Chibi Gundams. But it's only a Chibi Gundam half the time. Just like half the time the Strike Freedom has its funnels deployed. I like the Strike Freedom with its funnels deployed more than I like the damn Chibi Gundam out of the RX Zero Maru. And I like weirdly kind of like the SC Gundam. Um, also, the transformed RX Zero Maru is pretty rad. It's got the whole ninja nonsense going on. Also, ninja tricks. That's a cool tricks. Ninja tricks are for kids. <laughs> Thank you, Jeremy. I was trying to figure out how exactly I wanted to make that into a joke. I think I'm actually going to have to give it to the Strike Freedom, though. All right. Final question. Is the Strike Freedom better or worse than the Estray No Name? Ooh, I, I got to say, I think it's worse. I love the design of the Estray No Name. It's a mess, but it's a very practical mess, so... Well, and it's a mess with, like, its own built-in story there. Like, that's the whole implication behind it. I improve every time something didn't work. I added something new, and it was better. Like, it's got that junker feel of, this is how I gotta keep it running and get it and improve it. Whereas the Strike Freedom is, look how shiny this is. The uh, Strike Freedom is the shiny Corvette that his rich girlfriend got him after he drove his Ferrari into the ocean. I'm actually having a really hard time deciding this one. What's your opinion, Jeremy? I agree with Zach, actually. I don't like the Estray No Name as much as you guys. I would actually put it below the Arc Zero Maru, but I don't think the Strike Freedom is as good because the Estray No Name has an aesthetic. It goes for it. It hits it. I like the way it looks. And like Zach said, the storytelling behind it gives it a lot of points. That's fair. And I, I'm leaning slightly that direction anyway. So. And the Strike Freedom does kind of run into the problem as a mobile suit of it's like, it's the Freedom. But but strikier, better with funnel now with funnels. And look, I love me some funnels, but it's missing the overhead cannons, and like I said, the wings just end up looking derpier. And the wings are my favorite part of the freedom. It's more of like they tried to improve on a design that was already really good. And a lot of people think they succeeded, but I don't. And we have a podcast, no, no, so the, our word is official. That gold, though, God, I do not like that gold. The highlighting on those, I yeah, not a fan. So the Strike Freedom will go at number five above the RX Zero Maru and below the Estray No Name, still quite high, despite Zach and I being like, eh, nah, nah, about it. <laughs> well, the, the thing is, like, the Strike Freedom itself isn't my favorite design, but because its starting point is the Freedom. Yeah. It, it, in a weird way, if the Freedom didn't exist, it would probably do better. It, it's that uh, if you take a swing at the King, you best not miss. Well, and the, uh, the other one that is right underneath the Freedom being the Vilcus, it's like... They had the freedom, then they tried to make the strike freedom, and then like, okay, we can use, we can base another mobile suit off of like those two, but they went far enough in a different way that you can see that it is clearly descended from them, but it is distinct from them as well. All right, so join us next week when we will watch Phase 48 Ray, because episodes named after characters have been so good so far. Lacus, Mir, Ray, 
Billy Joe. Any th- predictions about what Ray's going to do now that he's already revealed his origin story? I mean, he's probably just going to psycho babble Shin into doing some uh, war crimes, right? <laughs> <laughs> so if I rem- if I uh, have it right, that's we've got three, three to go. It's the final countdown. Until then, we have to keep watching it. It is our destiny. important discussion. Come back later.